0: Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. Hello and Hello. welcome into Toasted Tavern. I am uh, Wags, joined alongside, not by Scott Tobin, but by Tom Franklin from Toasted St. Louis. Scott, downtown, working the Cardinals-Cubs game, which is uh, one nothing Cubs going into the bottom of the sixth inning. We'll talk a little bit about the Cardinals and Cubs a little bit later. And, and yes, you're looking at me and you're, and you're also hearing me. And yes, there's a bit of an echo on my side and my background. It's not, not, not the same. Well, uh, I'm actually house sitting for my brother this week. And uh, if you hear a dog barking in the background, that's just our lovable bulldog, or not bulldog, uh, pit bull, uh, Bailey. She's uh, excited. She's staring at me through the glass door of his office and sitting there going, why can't I come in?
1: Well, actually, house-sitting is a code word for I've been evicted, and now I'm shacking up with Tony Banks and his pit bulls, so, you know. At least I won't fumble the ball. Oh, that's true. That is true. Man, old, old, old late 90s memories, you know, that I have, like, tucked deep away in my head are coming to light tonight here on Toasted to Tavern. It's, it, it's a wonderful thing. But you know what we're
0: going to talk about a little bit later is we're going to be able to purge those memories probably because you're going to be making some new memories with a new football team, which you're repping pretty much right off the bat here, yep. uh, the Arizona oh Cardinals. Yeah, we got the logo too. So the Arizona Cardinals are going to be huge Going forward with uh, the Toasted Tavern and Toasted St. Louis, you know we'll maybe make get a Toasted Arizona piece a little bit later. So we'll talk about that in a little bit as well because the big big news today was what everybody's really been looking forward to is the NHL expansion draft tonight, where the Seattle Kraken decided decide who's going to be a part of their team. Everybody's anticipating the seven o'clock start time. Who are they going to go with? What's going to happen? And about 8.30 this morning, we started to find out who they were going to go with. And people were upset about it. And, you know, I mean, I I get it. I understand, uh, you know, insiders trying to leak all their information. And we knew Seattle's team probably by about 2 o'clock this afternoon. But it's still, for for me, the stigma was still around it, though, because you weren't sure if there were any trades that were going to be going down. You weren't sure if there were other deals that were being made. And who knows? Maybe the guys that they were reportedly picking were going to be moved out to bring in other guys as well, there was a lot of intrigue still around the uh, expansion draft coming up tonight. But uh, as, as we'll talk here in a little bit, uh, maybe not so much. What was first off, Tom? What was your reaction to these leaker uh, these these leaks that insiders were putting out there pretty much all day?
1: I, I find it very interesting the hills that NHL and NHL fans will die on, and there are a lot of issues in the NHL. I mean, I mean, I, I love hockey. I love the Blues. I love the NHL. Don't get me wrong, but I think anyone that is a fan of the sport knows that the NHL could be do, do a lot of things better. Um, leaking out expansion draft picks is to me seems kind of an innocuous thing to, to, to to freak out about. I mean, you know, it's, 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 as, as someone that has worked in journalism for the past 13 years, um, if you have the info and it's credible, um, you know, there's, to me, it's a lot of that's fair game. Um, i i don't know if the nhL like came down to uh, frank cervelli and said hey this is embargoed until the uh uh the, the the draft tonight it sounds like there was it wasn't because it wasn't just cervelli that was yeah. leaking out the picks although he was like just going ham there for a while <laughs> um i mean so, so to me it, it was it's fair game and it's like you know, I don't. I didn't watch the expansion draft. You know, like the festivities tonight, and you know the, that they showed on ESPN two. Which, by the way, I like the presentation of ESPN two and how that's going to look for 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 the NHL going forward. A very clean, you know, graphics and stuff like that. But it was kind of boring. It was kind of boring, and I I don't know. I I'm not that bothered by by them leaking out the picks. I mean, it's 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 either leak them out early or make us all wait all day long for this draft. And it's just, I don't know. I, I think NHL fans sometimes uh, need to find a hobby and, you know, need, need to find different things to to gripe about than journalists leaking out verified information.
0: Well, I, I, I'm i trying to think back to when Vegas had their expansion drafts. I cannot remember for the life of me if there were as many leaks, as many, names known that Vegas is going to take at the time. I don't think that was the case. I think maybe there were a few, but not a whole lot. And you you talk about ESPN, they're getting themselves back into the NHL, the, the, the hockey talk and everything like that. Wouldn't you as ESPN want to make sure that people that are wanting to know about this are flocking to your network for this draft? And by having all this stuff leaked out, yeah, people are still going to watch, but you're not going to get the numbers that you were going to get if people really didn't know who was going to be picked. And, I mean, as, if I were ESPN, I would be pissed. I would be like, what the hell, man? I mean, we were setting ourselves up. And, yeah, maybe if the presentation uh, – hello, Derek. I'm sorry. It's time I both are trying to pop it up there. Old, old habits. Uh, you're yeah. so um, with us, Derek. Yeah. Uh, like I said, even if the, the presentation was boring tonight – it it may not have been boring if we didn't know who was going to be picked, and they could have done a lot more with it. So, yeah. ES, if I'm ESPN, yeah, I'm rightly pissed about it. Now, did the NHL say, "Hey, don't do this"? It doesn't seem like that's the case. Maybe if I was the NHL. I mean, maybe they couldn't. Maybe you're right. I mean, people were going to find ways around it. I mean, you could look at, at flight data. Because I saw somebody posted today flight data about you know flights coming into Seattle from every NHL city in, in America and Canada, too. So, like, you, you can devise who may be going. But I, I would have been a, a lot more excited if there was more intrigue behind it. But sure. I'm not upset about it because I worked all day. So I got to work today knowing generally who was going to be a part of the, of, of the Kraken, and right. it actually helped us prepare a little bit more for the show tonight.
1: But that's not the reporter's fault, though, for no, spoiling the intrigue. I mean, there should have been an edict from the NHL. This is embargoed information. Um, and there should have been, you know, like because how it works in journalism is – um, like Sam at KMOX, for instance, and I'm working because I work in a newsroom and uh, uh, an email comes down with, uh, let's just say, for instance, it's news about St. Louis City SC and their stadium or whatever. Um, if it doesn't say in the press release that there is an embargo or there is a whole date on it, then it's fair game. Yep. journalists can go ahead and report it it's verifiable now if there is usually on press releases like that or 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 messages like that there will be mentioned at the very top where you cannot miss it embargoed until whenever Um, and most journalists that are worth their salt, they always honor the embargoes because if they break embargo, that is a fantastic way to make sure that you don't ever get to work with that team or that business organization ever again. So it's, it's kind of like you can break it once, but then that's it. I mean, you're never going to, you're, you're never going to get any cooperation, you know, from, from that newsmaker ever again. So, like uh, someone like Pierre LeBrun, someone like Frank Savelli, someone like Bob McKenzie, all the you know usual uh, NHL wonks, Elliot Friedman—they're not going to break that embargo because you know this is the—I mean, part the biggest part of their career is probably anymore is their social media accounts and breaking news on social media. So it was probably. In the, like I'm, I could say this with 99% likelihood, there was nothing to stop them from coming out with these leaks. Now, did the NHL learn a lesson today? Did ESPN learn a lesson today? Probably. Um, but that's not an issue for the journalists. That is an issue from the NHL and ESPN not saying pump the brakes. Because, yeah. you know, this wasn't in, like one of the most anticipated days in hockey, just in general hockey, you know, for months 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 on end you really think that all of these you know reporters aren't gonna leak out that info if they have that ability to do so and if they don't feel they get a slap on the wrist from the nhl or espn uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna do that absolutely they were within their right to do it and oh. fans that are complaining about it point your anger at the p pe- at, at the people controlling that information not the journalists yeah, so point your anger at Gary Bettman. Hmm, that seems like something that we're always doing. So, and I that, By the way, I appreciate Seattle has it down. They already know whenever Gary Bettman appears, to they boo. So good job, Thank Seattle. God. You've been <laughs> trained well.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, maybe not as well as we think because going, we, we made our picks uh, earlier this week on Toasted St. Louis about who we thought Seattle was going to pick. And both you and I, we kind of – Got Seattle really, really co- close to that cap top end of things, the eighty-one and a half million. And today, as names started to pop out, we were like, "What?" And and you know, they skewed heavily defensively. Twelve total uh, defensemen, including free agents, Adam Larson from Edmonton, and oh, this one hurts, Jamie Alexiak from Dallas. uh oh, we yeah. we wanted him so bad here yeah. in Saint Louis. So bad. But they did. They skewed heavy to the defense, which makes sense because look what got Montreal to the finals. Look what got the Blues there in 2019. Big buddy defenseman, block shots, clear the net. And we, we talked about that. That's what we thought they probably should go with. And that's why I thought a guy like Nico Mikola would have been a guy maybe that intrigued them from St. Louis- uh, if they wanted to
1: go off the board, which it seemed like they did. I know Blue Sand Reacts was really worried about that. He actually yeah. affected Mikel in his expansion list.
0: He really did. So, I mean, are, are you surprised that Seattle loaded up on defense, or are you more surprised about the fact of who they loaded
1: up on defense with? The, the biggest surprise when it comes to Seattle's draft is that, uh, to coin a phrase that I think I created recently, I was whelmed. <laughs> by who they were picked. I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't underwhelmed. I was just whelmed. You know, I was somewhere in the middle. Um, I did a kind of a sample lineup on Twitter um, at, at, t- at my Twitter account, Tom Franklin SDL, which by the way, Tony X retweeted, by the way, with his own comment and ripped my notifications for the <laughs> entire afternoon because whenever Tony X retweets your stuff, your notifications just blow up so uh, that was kind of cool um but you know as far as the defense goes i mean i think seattle i think they just kind of took what they were given and and i and, and one thing that i kind of learned doing that cap friendly expansion draft simulator of course we did that monday on uh, toasted blues ourselves which i'm sure our, uh, our picks look nothing, probably bad compared to what Seattle actually picked, but that's irregardless. Noted they did not pick Matthew Shane. I know you're no. in examples over that. Um, but there was a lot of strong defensive talent I felt that was available, and I think that's kind of by design with the way this expansion draft is set up because you can protect seven forwards, but then you can only protect three defenders. I th- And I just think with, with, with the numbers, there was going to be some good defensemen that were going to be available. Uh, the... Uh, Kraken took Mark Giordano, you know, the 37-year-old uh, Calgary Flames. I don't know if we call him a legend, but he's definitely been, you know, a cornerstone of that that franchise for years to come. As you mm-hmm. said, they signed Alexiak, they signed Adam Larson from the Edmonton Oilers, they took Vince Dunn, uh, they took Carson Susie from Minnesota instead of Kapo Yeah. goaltender, which was kind of a it was kind of a surprise, but then again, Susie. The, the, the feeling in Minnesota was that he was a, uh, a top four defenseman waiting to break out. He was just blocked um, by uh, the, the players ahead of him. So he's going to get a chance in in Minnesota. And look, we all know that defense wins championships, you know, depending on no matter what sport you're in. Um, you know, I I I proudly wore my Baltimore Ravens at Reed jersey the other day because, you know, that was the definition of defense wins championships was his era in the early 2000s. Um, I think they I think the uh, Kraken had a chance to not just um, stock up on defense, but they didn't break the bank Mm -mm. to to stock up on their defense. And when I when I made my, you know, line predictions, it was very clear that they probably had about eight or nine defenders that I feel reasonably could start for them on opening day. So they're probably going to make some trades to, uh, you know, sort that out because I don't think they can send a lot of those players down, but uh, their are forwards kind of weak. I yep. mean, they're kind of weak and, you know, I, I'm really kind of, I, I think everyone was kind of expecting Vegas 2.0 with Seattle um, and you know, because remember when when Vegas made their picks, we kind of poo-pooed them as well. And then look what happened with Vegas. They 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 had all those trades. Apparently, though, it's come out that when the trade freeze lifts tomorrow, Seattle might only have like one or two trades to announce. I mean, there, there apparently was not anywhere near the trade frenzy um from NHL teams, you know, pre-draft to get, you know, like to unload high salaries. You know, there's no David Clarksons available in this draft, for instance. Um, which, you know, I think maybe that's a case of the Kraken overplaying their hand a little bit because we're in the COVID cap. Yep. Right now. Teams have bad salaries across the league and you know a lot of people were kind of looking at their rosters and thinking oh well we can finally finally get rid of louis erickson or you know some <laughs> or matt sort of, duchene or, or some other horrendous contract but the kraken were apparently a- asking a lot you know for for those type of deals and Maybe that kind of went into the strategy a little bit, you know, because now the Kraken have about thirty million dollars to play with in NHL free agency. Um, they're the they're they're the new hot team on the block. I think they're counting on attracting a couple big name free agents that'll make those forward lines look a little bit better than they are, because it's basically four third lines that they have right now and on the forward side. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting to see them go spendthrift, because I know we. Uh, Wags, when we did our expansion draft, uh, we actually had to throw Matt Duchesne back because we were going to break the salary cap. So, proof that armchair GMing isn't anything like NHL GMing. Not at all. And a lot of people did have them
0: spending up to the cap. They were
1: like, yeah, get
0: star-studded lineups up there, bring in the P.K. Subban, bring in the Matt Duchesne, bring in the Vladimir Tarasenko. Those those guys, get them in there and, and be good right away. But it just shows you,
1: too, the testament of what they're trying to do as well okay and, and and actually i have to walk back a little bit you know the the talks about the side deals because uh, according to tsn's gordon miller he just literally tweeted out for those wondering seattle's side deals for the expansion draft and there are apparently several will be announced tomorrow after 1 p.m eastern when the nhl's trade slash signing freeze comes off so I guess there will be some side deals, and I think that will explain some of the uh, kind of oddball picks that you know the Kraken made. There were definitely some surprises, but uh, I think with at least some of them, you can look and say, "Okay, probably a side deal." Like I wonder if. I wonder if they had a deal to take Jordano from Calgary because Calgary was looking to shed salary. That seems like a situation that's possible because they need to re-sign Matthew Kachuk going forward. They probably want to, you know, load up a little bit feeling that they might have a, you know, playoff run in them. Um, it's all it, it's it's it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what comes out at noon local time tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and see that's the other part that I didn't understand because it felt like when Vegas had their draft everybody knew the deals that were made. You could talk about the trade. So uh, did they in, did they enact a trade freeze announcement for this expansion draft? Because I remember back when Vegas, you you knew who was moving where you, you like, especially because it was big time was Florida was the one that stuck out for me about them, yeah. you know, protecting a bunch of their defensemen and then trading Morgan, you know, Morgan Wright. And just, it, it seems like, this was this was a different draft and I and once again it just leads into the why it probably was so boring tonight watching it because you knew who was being picked and you also didn't know why they were being picked. So all the things that made the last expansion draft exciting made this one super boring.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was was the case and you know I I kind of wish we had heard some of those, you know, draft deals beforehand just to make some sense out of who they actually did. Pick now. I think one of the things that we can count on Wags is I'm pretty sure the Blues didn't make any sort of deal uh, for, for Seattle to take Vince Dunn. I, I'm i sure Doug Armstrong would have loved the chance to trade him after the draft, but alas, he's now a Kraken.
0: That, that he is. That he is. So Vince Dunn is the, the pick from the Blues. I think everybody anticipated and expected that was going to be who it was. Yeah, maybe some people were hoping that Tarasenko would be taken so you get that money off the books. You don't really want to necessarily leave, uh, you know, him open and not get anything back. But there were, there were people hoping, and then you know you also had a couple other options. You know, Jaden Schwartz was an option as a UFA. They they did talk to some UFAs, signed them leading up to the draft, and they just couldn't come to a consensus on Jaden Schwartz. But he still may go to Seattle. We'll see. He's going to test the free agent market. But you know, Dunn was the guy, and I think everybody expected it. And when it happened, I think people were like. Okay, there we go. Just opens it up for Mr. Scotty Perunovic.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think as, you know, it was kind of a roller coaster, I felt, like ever since the Blues released their protection list because Tarasenko was on it and then came out, the, the news came out that the Kraken did indeed talk contract with Jaden Schwartz. And and I think a lot of Blues fans kind of perked up about that because Jaden Schwartz, the feeling with him kind of was like he's probably going to free agency, Um If the Kraken were to have taken Jaden Schwartz, that means... Doug Armstrong has Tarasenko and Dunn to play with. By the way, Rutherford coming out tonight and saying that uh, before the trade deadline, uh, or I guess the roster freeze on Saturday, um, Armstrong could only get like a, a third-round pick yeah. for Vince Dunn.
0: Which so, is a far cry
1: from the first that they were talking about during the season this year. That's true, which kind of makes me wonder about those reports in the first place. But, um, yeah, you're, you're not going to – trade Vince Dunn for a third round pick before an expansion draft. And then Seattle goes and takes like Mikula or something like that, which, which I think might've been a legit option for them. Um, so it's, it's, I I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion once that was, I mean, realistically we heard this morning that, um, you know, Schwartz did not come to a contract agreement with Seattle. So that option was wiped out and then it kind of came out right afterwards that they weren't going to take Vladimir Tarasenko as well, which Jeremy Rutherford also kind of reports that the feeling with Seattle and Tarasenko was that sure they could have drafted him and flipped him, but Tarasenko's no trade clause complicated things now rutherford's also said that tarasenko is pretty much at the point where he just wants to he, he'll just go anywhere at this point he's he uh, maybe except buffalo um but you know he'll pretty much go anywhere at this point you know just to be away from the situation which is kind of sad you know when your franchise rushing forward is, is saying that but you know he's saying that for, you know, if the Blues traded him, there's no guarantees that he would have done the same for the Seattle Kraken, you know, because apparently he was actually welcoming the idea of being taken by Seattle. So um, for Seattle, I, I guess, I guess the, the you know, as the old saying goes, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, you know, in Tarasenko wasn't worth the potential returns if he was going to be obstinate about his no trade clause. So uh, now that leaves kind of a situation for the Blues where... Now what happens to Tarasenko?
0: That's a great question because, you know, leading up to the draft, there, there were talks, you know, four or five teams were interested, apparently, and were are kind of putting together trade packages. And I, I think we all had the assumption that it, a deal probably wasn't going to get done before the draft, because if, if that happens, then you have to worry about, you know, the guys are bringing in not being able to be protected. You know, it's what happened to Toronto essentially with Jared McCann, they traded for him in the the deadline and now he's gone. He's in Seattle. So basically they, they traded guys and picks away to hold Seattle's pick essentially. So that's exactly what you would have had to have. If Tara Sanko would have been traded, if you would have brought in a player, he would have been exposed and Seattle could have taken him. So it makes sense that that's why they didn't make a trade it's real interesting to see if a trade still will materialize out of this now. And it, I mean, it looks like you know the Blues are, are open to retaining about a million and a half of Tarasenko's salary. So it's not that they're totally saying, hey, we want you to take all the money. So there's still potential for salary retention. But now, until we know these side deals that have come out from, from Seattle's side of things and, and all these other teams, you really can't even speculate as to where he could go. Philadelphia was a team that Potentially, he could go to. Even though Alex Ferrario kind of poo pooed this when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Rangers and Islanders are still potentially involved in that as well. And you still can't get rid of the elephant in the room, uh, which is Calgary. And maybe it's not the the Matthew Kachuk deal that we're all hoping for it to be, but maybe it's somebody else. That comes to St. Louis from from Calgary, or maybe you somehow facilitate that three team deal where Kachuk does come to St. Louis because that's where he wants to play, essentially. At least everything we've heard is this is where he wants to play. So sure. once this once the the, the trade freeze lifts and, and really once free agency opens up, oh my gosh, this is gonna be ridiculous.
1: It it really is going to be, and and I think a lot of what happens in free agency for the Blues still ties in with Tarasenko. Oh and yeah, what they do with him now. The interesting thing that I think is going to affect the trade market is the fact that. I think teams that were talking about acquiring Tarasenko, you know, were probably counting on a lot of the teams that you mentioned, like Philly, for instance, and maybe even the Islanders. They were counting on some money coming off the books from Seattle. In the case of the Islanders, that happened because uh, the um, the the uh, Kraken took Jordan Eberle, mm-hmm. which was probably their best forward, either him or Yanni Gord from Tampa, uh, which I'm kind of surprised Tampa didn't make a deal to protect him or you know have them s- take Tyler Johnson, but. That's 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 I I'm not a Stanley Cup, you know, winning GM, so I'm not going to question that. But, you know, with Tarasenko, I mean, you know, Philly's been the hot rumor for Tarasenko, but Philly took uh, Twardowski, I think is his name. Someone that was like way off the board. Yeah, Carson, Carson Twarwinski. Twarowski, who's probably uh-huh. going to be a decent fourth liner for them. Apparently, he's you know got you know got the you know he's 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 a physical player and you know he he might make the lineup you know from day one, but that doesn't clear any salary for Philly, and Philly needed to clear some salary, so kind of makes you wonder if maybe he wore a check. Is, is back in play, um, you know, maybe the Blues or, or maybe even a James Van Riemsdyk might be even in play as well um, because, you know, now you're looking at a situation, if you're Doug Armstrong, do you want to get certainty for Tarasenko and, you know, get yourself a productive forward for him that maybe makes about the same that as Tarasenko or maybe a little more or less? Or do you want to risk it for the fabulous cash and prizes that free agency and, you know, ro- you know risk it all for, you know, Gabriel Landeskog? Who you know the Blues aren't going to be the only interest, team interested in Landeskog. I mean, this offseason. I mean, there's there are teams out there, including the Kraken, that have cap room that 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 could afford to you know break the bank for a guy like Landeskog. So it's going to be interesting to see um, you know what happens with Tarasenko in the coming days. Um, I don't think he's going to be a Blue for very long, though. I, I I think this is a situation that both sides want to resolve. And want to resolve quickly, Uh, and I think there was some groundwork laid at the very least before Saturday's freeze of where Tarasenko could possibly end up. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I'm curious where Jaden Schwartz ends up. I'm kind of curious what kind of figures that he was talking about with Seattle, and you know, I guess uh, you know, I'm curious what he walked away from. Because it sounds like that Seattle was working on a deal with him and uh, it, it's it's not going to happen. So um, and then, you know, with and just one more thing about Vince Dunn, you realize that he's probably going to go off in Seattle, <laughs> make us make us rude losing him. Right.
0: Uh, that's the thing. I don't I don't see that being the case. He, oh. he's, he, he hasn't. He, I mean, he never he didn't do anything down here. I mean, even when they moved him up to the to the top line minutes, even when he was on the third pairing, you know, he didn't really take advantage of his opportunity even at the third pairing level. I mean, I it it really just kind of depends on how they utilize him, you know. I mean, is he going to be that guy that is always activating into the offensive zone and his defensive partners covering him up? Is he gonna be on the on the number one power play unit? If they put him on the number one power play unit, Maybe, but as I've railed about many times, he was here for three years and never once improved on his ability to get shots from the point through. They've tried him on the power play. He was the last man back. And how many times do you see the puck bounce off a shin guard and go the other way? Three years. He never improved on it. Now, yeah, granted, maybe he does go there and the coaching staff helps work with him to, to, change his shot and and all that stuff. Very possible. I just don't see that being the case because Mark Savard was here and and the power play was great. And I have a hard time sitting there thinking that Mark Savard didn't say, Hey, Vince Dunn, I've seen what you've done. You gotta, you gotta move. You gotta get your shot around. I have a hard time believing that he never worked with Vince Dunn on that.
1: Yeah. I, I find that hard as well. And, you know, I, I think it's very telling That, you know, for all of, you know, his offensive reputation, uh, he was not on the power play for the blues last season and this is vince dunn the supposed analytics darling who by the way i uh i wrote the article for vince dunn for uh kmox.com and uh, i included a graphic from uh, Jay Fresh, our old buddy uh, in the analytics community and he showed dunn's like you know uh, graphic for uh, his performance the last three years And he completely diverged in on offense defense, like his, his defensive war wins over replacement. Good. His offense was in the toilet this year. And it was so, and, and that kind of, you know, put it into respect of what I was seeing from Vince Dunn this year. He did not look like the same Vince Dunn that we knew. And that's, that's not a good thing. In fact, it's pretty, pretty telling when your own GM comes out in March and says, Dunner has always wanted to be a 20-minute player. Well, now he is. It's nice. My phone hasn't rang in a month. You're screwing my guy. He needs more ice time. Now it's more. Your guy is getting ice time. What's going on? And that's the, that's the rub with Vince Dunn. And, and that was always the rub in the analytics community. When we talked to Jay Fresh back uh, when we were doing Blue Notes, um, he kind of you know always had – there, there was that caveat with his analytics number that his quality of competition was low because he always played on the third line. He was kind of protected a little bit. The first time he's unprotected, he has a terrible year. So I and, and I there was I guess there was some bad blood between Dunn and Armstrong from the last offseason over his contract and Armstrong kind of, you know, flexed his, uh, um, you know, I guess, you know, advantage and, you know, Dunn only signed for one point eight mil right before training camp. I guess Dunn's camp wanted more. So if so, if Dunn was butthurt over that and, you know, that affected this play all season, that's a completely different issue. And just like Tarasenko sounded like a relationship wags that was probably doomed to end at some.
0: Point, yeah, it, it very much was, and, and as Derek said, you know, just because they have some su- uh, success elsewhere doesn't mean it would have happened here. Yeah. You do wish the best for these guys, you do want to see them successful. They brought a lot of great things here to St. Louis. Dunn did have big moments, Tarasenko obviously had huge moments here, and even Schwartz, if he does decide to sign somewhere else, had huge moments here. We wouldn't have made the Stanley Cup finals without Jaden Schwartz, so and, and Dan also said, you know, a coach can only go so far at some point, you have to wonder how much the player actually listens and that's another rub that's been with Vince Dunn too is you know is it in one ear out the other I mean he always looks like he's confused and lost and he's young I get it he maybe needs to mature a little bit and we've seen this a lot of times something we see it a lot where you get a guy that just needs that change of scenery and once he does something clicks it was because he was exposed in the expansion draft that this team didn't want him. Well, now I got to prove him wrong. It's very possible that he goes out there and and changes and becomes better and becomes a force. And if he does hey, great Seattle, good job. I just, I just don't see it.
1: Well, I, I don't know Vince Dunn personally. So I, I'm reluctant to, you know, look at, you know, his character per se, but um, I will say you kind of, you kind of hit on a good word and that's, that's maturity. Um, I I we whenever we did our bare knuckle blues bracket, you know, a couple months ago, Vince Dunn went deep in it because we know that Vince Dunn can be ornery, he can Mm -hmm. drop the gloves every now and then and he can be physical. How much of that is bravery? How much of that is a lack of maturity? Uh when Vince Dunn on defense makes a boneheaded play that drives us all nuts, how much is that, oh, he's just young? and how much is that a lack of maturity because you do kind of wonder what he is retaining whenever you know his coaches are telling him to tighten up on defense increase his awareness and maybe don't be a knucklehead and draw a stupid penalty you know or or you know just, you know or don't fight people in the uh, um, you know in the runway the room yeah in the, the runway of your locker room you know that's that's i i i kind of always was worried about what done was had going on between the ears, um, But he's one of those guys that always passes the eye test. He looks good. And when it, whenever, whenever he looks good, he looks great. I mean, you know I mean, he was a double digit goal scorer. I mean, we can't forget that he was, he showed signs, all the signs on the ice of being a, you know, a good top four puck moving defenseman that, every NHL team craves. It's just that he was always a double-edged sword. And I always wonder if it was a coaching issue with him, if it was a training issue with him, you don't know really what goes on behind the scenes. So I'm not going to speculate any further on that, but maybe with him, a change of scenery will do him some good. Uh, he gets a fresh start in Seattle. He doesn't have to worry about the fans and the media riding him over his latest boneheaded mistake on defense. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see how he goes. And by the way, I hear Seattle has a great gaming community up there as well. Yeah. So he's a he and Dunn's a great Fortnite player. So uh, maybe he'll enjoy Seattle more than he enjoyed St. Louis. We'll see. It, you know, in St. Louis, you have
0: to get outside because it's nice outside. Seattle, you're going to be stuck inside all the time. So there's really no excuse. So, yeah, uh, totally, totally. And and Rodney asked, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Does this still mean the Blues can get Landis guy? Uh It's going to be tough because you, you will have to shed that Tarasenko salary somehow, some way, and you really have to sit there. And, and if you're Armstrong, do you just trade him away for picks? Um, I mean, do you really sit there – and do that because then you're banking on Landis Gogg wanting to sign here and signing here. So you have to take that leap of faith that you're going to make the best pitch for this guy to come in when you've got a bunch of other teams. And, you know, Seattle, like you said, has plenty of cap space. They may sit there and be like, no, we're doing it. We're going to go all in on Gabriel Landis We're going to make him the face of Seattle. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't draft him, but that's because we knew we were going to draft like this so that we could spend the money on him. So, It's going to be real, real tough. And like you said earlier, with with Tarasenko very likely going to be gone in the next couple of days, uh, we're we're going to get a really clear picture before free agency opens up if the the Blues are in on Gabriel Landeskog.
1: And I'm kind of wondering if Seattle had serious discussions with Landeskog. I mean, we didn't hear – about how those discussions went compared to how they went with Schwartz, which apparently, from you know some stuff I'm seeing on Twitter tonight, went pretty darn deep. I mean, I mean, and it's I'm kind of wondering whenever a free agency does open if Schwartz still ends up in Seattle because you know you got to figure that they've at least laid the groundwork, you know, for a potential deal. I mean, even if Seattle didn't draft, you know, someone like they drafted Larson, like they drafted Dr- uh, Drieger, and they drafted you know Alexiak there's probably other players that they at least maybe laid the foundation for a potential deal. That gives them kind of an advantage going into uh, free agency. And we didn't hear anything about Lanniskog, but you kind of wonder, you know, what kind of deal were they talking about and uh, will they be players for Lanniskog going forward? I think though, if, if, if you're the blues, you, you, you trade, to, you, you get what you can for Terrasanko because that bridge is burned. It's done. It's over with, and you need to move on. And you need to move on and get as much salary as possible, so you can make that play for Landeskog. And I think the Blues can be very competitive in making an offer for Landeskog. I think you know they can they can offer him at least a no trade. Of course, we know they're not going to offer a no movement clause, but they can offer Landeskog term. They can offer him the money that he wants. And you know what? After you know losing Tarasenko in less than ideal circumstances, Landeskog would be a nice salve for the uh, blues community Um, you know it it would definitely mitigate that loss probably better than Krug mitigated the loss of Petrangelo last offseason
0: yeah yeah and and Rodney says I mean Vorchek wouldn't be bad if we could get him Derek yeah Vorchek one for one probably be the worst case scenario which wouldn't be too bad in his opinion and then Derek thinks it's funny that we think Seattle has uh, that St. Louis has better weather than Seattle they don't have scorching
1: summers and harsh winters yeah,
0: but it rains all the time in Seattle.
1: But you can't cut the humidity with a knife in Seattle like yeah. you can't in St. Louis sometimes. So, um, you know, I mean, at least, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, To me, St. Louis and Seattle, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Probably equally problematic.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And yes, uh, Blues fan reacts. Dunn is basically on lock for 50 points here. And, and Rodney... Thank you. I'm I'm keeping track of the game right now. The Cardinals do take the lead in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, Dylan Carlson doubles in Harrison Bader, who doubled in a run earlier in the inning. So uh, two to one Cardinals bottom of the seven. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Uh, One more thing on the blues and free agency, and that's the, uh, the rumblings with Mike Hoffman, reportedly seeking three to four years at five to five and a half million dollars. Canadians are interested. You feel like you're losing Schwartz would you bring back Mike Hoffman at five and a half for three years? If that's generally what he's probably going to get.
1: That was an interesting discussion I had with the guys with uh, two guys, one cup, and then uh, Kurt price was in it as well. If the blues were to re-sign Mike Hoffman for three years at $5 million, keep in mind, That's what they gave Tyler Bozak three years ago. And I would argue that Mike Hoffman, you know, I, I, again, six of one half dozen of the other better offensive player. But as we know, Hoffman's not a defensive guy like, like Bozak. I mean,
0: think about it though. He, he didn't look terrible defensively
1: this year. He didn't hurt. He didn't embarrass himself. Right. I will say that. I. I think. I think that may have been a little bit overblown, but I think that's a very reasonable deal for Hoffman. I mean, it's three years, so the term isn't too long. Um. In so in, in case if he's a a complete bust, which I don't think he. I don't think he will be. Um. I and, and I th- and I think part of that is just simply because, as the season went on, you know. I, I think he was misused a little bit by Craig Berube. I think having him on the third line was uh, suboptimal. Um, but as as we all saw, what he could do once he was used optimally, once he was used on the power play, and once he actually did get some you know top six time you know down the stretch, and it opens up you know it, it kind of makes you wonder. Okay, is this the real Mike Coffin that we saw at the end, or was the real Mike Coffin the one that was kind of you know? disappearing in, in 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 the first half of the season um three years five million dollars i think i think is perfectly reasonable i'd be happy with that you're basically you know replacing Jaden schwartz with that you know money for the most part um any more than that though in term or price i'd be kind of a little worried Yeah, and and Blues Fan Reacts, not a huge fan of it. Rodney Hale, also not a fan
0: of the five and a half years. Uh, Although, Blues Fan Reacts does preface it, by multi-year, I mean four-plus years. I I don't think he'd get four-plus years. Uh, I think three years, five million would probably be where the Blues would be most comfortable with. Because like you said, that's what they signed Bozak for. And Bozak, I think, was a little older than Hoffman is now. And Hoffman does have a little bit more offensive upside Prob- probably be a second line player if that's
1: the case. So yeah, the thing with Hoffman is that you know, despite all of his issues, I mean, he's still in uh in his time with St. Louis ended up with 17 goals in 52 yeah. games. I mean, he probably with the pace that he had at the end of the season might have been a 30 goal guy which that Was the guy that you were getting is a thirty goal scorer, so
0: and he also came into a new team, didn't have any sort of training camp with them, and just kind of got thrown in and had to figure out how to make you know how to make do with the players he was playing with too.
1: So give him a full training camp, and maybe you do see that Hoffman right off the bat. Yeah, that that that's very well possible, and I and I do agree that five million is probably his cap, but remember. Hoffman was looking for more well yeah. or well above that, you know, when free agency started, but of course pandemic and, you know, he, and then the market for him just wasn't there. Uh, so you got to wonder if, you know, the market will be there for him this offseason. and maybe he will want to maybe get some security and sign, you know, for, you know, if, if the loser offering three years, maybe he takes that. Um, by the way, Rodney Hale says knowing Armstrong, they will probably sign someone we don't even know about. So, I am looking forward to the Nikita Gusev era in St. Louis. Um, Long as it's not Zadorov. No, let's go. No. uh, By the way, that's not going to happen because he's with Chicago, and Chicago's not going to give him to interdivision. That's silly. Not at all. Not at all.
0: All right. Well, like we said, free agency going to be picking up here real soon. The trade market's going to open up tomorrow. Uh, Make sure to keep an eye on Toasted St. Louis. Toasted. Tavern, as we essentially bring you all the news as we see it, um, and, and real, actually, real quickly. So, what should the Blues be looking for for Tarasenko? Maybe Seattle will trade us a decent, cheap D man
1: and like Jared McCann for Vladdy and Sanford. We don't need more defenders unless it's Alexiak. If they're gonna, if they're gonna trade us Alexiak, then I think I, I, okay. Let's let's talk about that. But um, no, I think a lot of the uh, Seattle defensemen. I, I mean, the Blues have. You know, one one reason that Dunn is a Seattle Kraken is because um Scott Prunovich coming up, Jake Wallman turned it, it on Nico Mikola. Um Vince Dunn doesn't have to turn his head behind him to see the oncoming, you know, onslaught yeah. behind him. So
0: did we ever um, see Vince Dunn turn his head though?
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 yo. oh boy oh boy oh boy yo 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 all right
0: let's let's stop poo-pooing on vince dunn he's now seattle's property and, and we'll go from there speaking of property you're wearing some property right now nfl training camps are gonna be opening up here real real soon and you had a really fun go-between between uh on twitter with you and, and the arizona cardinals you were trying to figure out your fandom, essentially coming back to the NFL. Tell us a little bit about that. And then you've got a a clip from your,
1: your press conference yesterday, announcing your fandom uh, decision. This has been just a, just the weirdest saga, like, you know, and completely out of left field for me, because I, you know, I don't, you know tweet a whole lot on my tom franklin sdl account it is verified so maybe i should be but um you know i was kind of talking last week everyone was talking about the st louis rams and and that lawsuit that's playing out and of course we had all the details that came out about uh um you know that and just just everything that went with it And i was tweeting about it and you know i I, I kind of made a point about the Kansas City Chiefs and how they were kind of not, not just behind Stan Kroenke's plan, but they were like really backing it. You know, they were, I mean, you know, like a hunt was the lone no vote in the in the Carson committee. Um, and it was just I it really had me starting to wonder, okay, is, is Kansas City the team for me when they basically shanked, you know, Saint, you know, helped shank St. Louis in the back. Um, just so they can move in and you know profit from from our suffering. So um, I, I I put the question out there and I, I made it a poll and I did tag the Arizona Cardinals in that like the actual Twitter account. Not thinking really anything of it, but then I asked like, um, should I still should I remain with the Chiefs? Should I be a fan of the Chargers because they were the other team that voted against Cronky's plan? Although you can kind of understand why. Um, and then or should I be a Cardinals fan or should I do something else entirely? And overwhelmingly, that poll, it was like over 800 votes. It was ob- obscene how many votes that got. And it was overwhelmingly like, like 90% become a Cardinals fan. And that was because the Arizona Cardinals themselves responded. Like they replied with a gif basically saying, please come to Arizona, please come to Arizona. And we had a fun Twitter exchange, you know. And but what you don't know is, Is that they DM me like personally and they asked me my shirt size and they said they're gonna send me something. They're gonna, and I'm like, what in the what in God's name are you gonna send me? I just asked for a bumper sticker and you're asking for shirt sizes. I mean, what is going on here? Well, this is one of them, but uh, in case you didn't see the video, uh, here is kind of the rundown of what they gave me, and that kind of leads into why I am now an Arizona Cardinals fan, even though I live in St. Louis, and even though the Cardinals and Bidwell did move out of St. Louis in the late 80s. I explain all that here in this uh, video. Here's a clip from it. And just for giggles, I asked for a bumper sticker, something small. Turns out they were more receptive to that idea than I could have ever expected. Because they didn't send me a bumper sticker. I'm actually wearing two of the things that the Arizona Cardinals sent. The first thing is this very clean, white Arizona Cardinals dry fit shirt. And the second thing that the Arizona Cardinals delivered onto thee was this very nice windbreaker pullover. That they wear on the field. Uh, when I say they, I mean the Cardinals themselves. Uh, very nice nice quality. And uh, on a rainy day or a windy day, this will come in handy. Yes, there's more. Number three, I also asked for a hat. Just as, as a shot in the dark, you know, best case scenario. And no, they did not send me one off the clearance rack. They sent me this nice new era cardinals ball cap right here you can see it right there the logo big and prominent this is not their cheap hat this is a good quality hat so that is item number three surely that's it right i mean two shirts a hat to some schmuck in st louis who is you know questioning his nfl fandom that surely is it right wrong because there are two more things that the arizona cardinals were kind enough to send me it was this big old flag gigantic will probably make a backdrop in some of my videos so freaking outrageously big that i can barely get it on the screen but it is big it is four by six it is longer than i am tall it is wider than i am wide and that's saying something because i'm pretty wide and last But certainly not least, more headgear, although this I cannot wear unless I find a head shrinker and she shrinks my head down to a small size. An Arizona Cardinals vintage mini helmet. Looks kind of familiar, doesn't it, St. Louis fans? Very similar in style to the style that the Big Red wore in St. Louis. So after some consideration, And after all this nice stuff and after a very nice letter that they sent me, which I'll go ahead and pop up for you right now, I have decided that it is officially time to come out of my NFL sabbatical and I will return to the NFL's fandom as a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I know what you're thinking, St. Louisans, but they moved out of St. Louis in the late 80s. Uh, How are they any better than Kroenke? Well, for one, the Bidwell family did not salt the earth, per se, when they moved from St. Louis to Phoenix. Phoenix made them an incredible offer. St. Louis, quite frankly, did not. They were playing in the Old Bush Stadium, which let me remind you, for those of you that did not get the chance to go see games at Old Bush, that place was a blast furnace. And not only was it a blast furnace, it was not a great place for football. Even when the Rams played a couple games there in their inaugural season, it was not the best aesthetics for football. It just was not. It's a baseball stadium that was kind of made to be multi-purpose, but in reality, it wasn't working out uh, very well. And compared to Stan Kroenke, history has shown that the Bidwells moving the Cardinals to Arizona uh, was somewhat justified compared to Kroenke. Now, Kroenke, since leaving St. Louis, has done nothing of benefit for the city of St. Louis, nothing. Look up the AMF letter that they drafted right before it was announced they won their bid to move to LA. You know what AMF means? It means adios mother effer. That's what they thought of the city of St. Louis. They didn't contribute anything to the community in the last few years. They didn't market the team in the community. They were anonymous in the community. Locally, Stan Kroenke became known as Silent Stan because he did not talk to the media at all. The guy was an absolute coward. Michael Bidwell, on the other hand, very quietly, very low key, I feel, still holds a piece of St. Louis in his heart. In fact, he has actually contributed to charities on a kind of a low-key scale, but he has contributed to charities, including filling a void that Stan Kroenke left behind after the Rams moved out. So don't sit there and tell me that the Bidwell family doesn't care about St. Louis after I just flashed that on the screen.
0: Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And yeah, we saw that story a couple of years ago uh, with the, with the charity that they donated to very, very quietly. And it just, once again, you know, the NFL is the NFL and you can be pissed at them all you want about how they go about doing things, but you know, you can't sit there and, and, and just completely disregard it. It is one of the biggest leagues in the world. And Sometimes you just have to find the smallest bit of light in that darkness and, and try to bring it forth.
1: It, yeah, and it, it's, it's been hard for me, you know, since the Rams left. It really has been. I've, I have I just have not been able to get into the NFL as I used to. It's been slowly getting better, but it, it's still been hard. It, it feels like you you're getting over a bad relationship, and then you're trying to get back into a relationship with the gal that, broke up with you or, you know, at the very least her sister or something like that. It kind of feels like that. And it's been hard to find a team that I feel that I belong with, you know, without totally feeling like I'm bandwagon hopping. Like I, you know, I was a Packers fan before the Rams came to St. Louis, but going back to them, it just didn't feel, I I just didn't feel a connection with them anymore. You know, it wasn't my team anymore. I was, I, I, in a lot of ways, someone said it best. You know, it felt like the Arizona Cardinals adopted me. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, that's basically what it was. I was an orphan, and the and the Cardinals adopted me. And and you know, it's I was very nervous about even publishing that video, Wax, because it was just me, um, you know, talking to you know the camera essentially, and it was it was something that felt very self promotion a little bit. And I've always been kind of reluctant to do that. I'm not, I'm not a braggadocio guy. I'm, I never have been. Um, but it, it 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 is just from talking to other people that, you know, can kind of give me their perspective on things. It's a good story. It's a good story because it feels nice to feel wanted again by the NFL. Um, and it's, it's, you know, for, for the Arizona the Cardinals didn't have to do that. At all, they they did they didn't even have to respond to my original tweet, but they did. They didn't have to send me a box of goodies, but they did. Uh, and and I don't know if any other NFL team would have. Honestly, like I know we I know like you were mentioning like, ooh, can I can can we can we get the Titans to send us some stuff? Can we can can we get the Chiefs to send us some stuff? I don't know if they would. I really don't know if they would. I because i've 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 met a lot of arizona cardinals fans since that happened on twitter um everyone's been very supportive you know and and everyone's kind of been like very welcoming very surprisingly welcoming like that's a interesting fan base you know that you know like yes they've they like the rams they've gone through some suffering over the years but it's like everyone I've talked to with the Cardinals fan base has been really cool. And not only that, but there's, there's, I didn't realize how many big red fans there still are in St. Oh, Louis. Tons. Like, it's a fair, but, but to me, it's kind of like an under the radar kind of a thing, oh, yeah. you know, where it's like, you know, no one really like brags about being an Arizona Cardinals fan here in St. Louis. But like when I, when all that went down, everyone like from St. Louis that were big red fans just came out of the woodwork. And it was like people that I knew, I was like, I had no freaking idea this was not even a thing. So, you know, it's good to know that I'm in good company. Um, I, you know, obviously you can make your own decisions about the NFL, but I will say I, I will I would encourage anyone um, if they're looking for an NFL team if or if they're unsure about the team they're supporting, join the Red Sea um, hashtag STL Big Red. Let's make that a thing, and uh, it might even lead to a new show here on the toes of St. Louis Network. I'm uh, thinking about doing a Toasted Big Red show. I've got one co-host lined up, Arizona sports guy, uh, Blues fan reacts. I think he's going to be on board, and I'm kind of looking for another co-host for that. If anyone's watching right now, that's a big Red fan that's based in St. Louis. I kind of want that perspective for this show. Uh, if anyone anyone's interested in doing, you know, uh, joining us on Toasted Big Red. Let us know because we got me, who is kind of like the detached NFL fan, getting back into things. You have Arizona sports guy, who is well, he's in Arizona and he is there in Arizona. To give us that perspective. But I want the St. Louis Big Red perspective. You know, those that have been with the Cardinals all this time. So um, it's going to be an interesting ride. It's going to be interesting and, and, and a uh, and a fun ride, that's for sure. And uh, um, by the way, yeah, if you if you go to the Wikipedia pages of um Stan Kroenke and Georgia Frontieri uh yeah you'll you'll learn some things like uh Derek has you know about those two so
0: very very true and we, we would be remiss if we didn't uh send a, a happy birthday to Howard Balzer who covers the yes. the Arizona Cardinals as well it's his birthday today
1: we yeah, won't- by the way, he did he did tweet at me this morning by way. and he's he of course made you know made sure to follow uh, his uh Uh, reporting on SI.com. So follow his reporting on SI.com. Hopefully we can have Howard Balzer uh, either here or on Toast to Big Red in the future as well, because as we all know, Howard Balzer, even though he's living in Arizona now, he still has St. Louis in his heart. That he does. That he does. And one other thing on on the Cardinals, I think perspective –
0: on the Cardinals, I think changed big time when Kurt Warner ended up becoming the quarterback down there and doing what he did down there. What is exactly like what he did up here in St. Louis. So even though the Rams were still here, I still think perspective on the Cardinals changed when Kurt Warner was there. So once again, Kurt Warner lifts St. Louis up and lifts yeah. the franchise up. So definitely gonna be looking forward to that. Uh, as we wind down here on Toast Tavern tonight, we do want to jump over to the other Cardinals. That we are uh, covering oh, okay. this year, yeah. Um, right now, two to one, top of the eighth. Uh, the Cubs have two on with two outs, and Ian Happ now up to the plate. There, you've got uh, Giovanni Gallegos in the game. Uh, Alex Reyes probably will not be available tonight, and that's because of last night's uh, pretty much epic blow-up uh, by the St. Louis Cardinals, and not just Alex Reyes. It was Luis Garcia. I don't even know. I didn't even know he was on the team. And yeah. then Alex Reyes, and then Mike Schilt, and then after the game, there was the whole Schilt-Brandon-Kiley thing. Um, I told you guys on Monday when the Cardinals were just – Running a rough shot over the Cubs, and you know Baez made the two errors, and we were all living it up with the with the Cubs imploding like that. I'd said somehow or another the Cardinals were going to find ways to embarrassingly lose the next three games. They were up six to one going into the ninth inning last night, and what did they do? They gave up embarrassingly that lead and ended up losing seven to six to the Cubs last night. Uh, go go through
1: what was in your mind as you watched that debacle unfold last night. Well, I admittedly, I was already in bed whenever that went down. I I thought that they had the game in hand. I, I mean I five run lead going I, I think I I think I backed out during the eighth inning and I was like well this it's to be a win will it be a you know it'd be fun the next morning to talk about it well mm-hmm. things <laughs> happened um, you know first of all I don't think anything Brandon Kylie asked Mike Schilt was off base no not at all. I think I think Schilt was just frustrated with 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 what happened and you know I I almost kind of took what he's what Schilt was saying as um, almost like a plea for help you know from the front office because he kept saying you can't go to uh reyes and gallegos every single night by the way he did go to gallegos tonight by the way he is uh in the game right now for the cardinals uh um but yeah i I don't think any i I don't think anything was off base i think it was just people are frustrated you know it it, it, it was a game that they should not have lost and they found a way (laughs) to lose it and um I'm I'm curious to see how, uh, how Reyes bounces back from this. Um, I know uh, Jason Isringhausen um, voiced his support for Reyes. Like there they, there was a post dispatch article that was posted tonight about that. Um, I I think Reyes will be fine, but he's a young guy, and you know you always kind of wonder. You know this is like his first real adversity test this was his first blown save ever
0: no nah, i wouldn't say it's his first adversity test i think well i mean you look at everything that alex reyes has been through i think this okay. is the first this is the first like on the,
1: save. on the mound that's what i yeah because he's, he's he's having a good season he's an all-star he has the you know save streak you know record you know for the career and bam he you know you know runs into a brick wall last night uh by the way Sorry if you've heard this before, but when the Cardinals need a big start from Adam Wainwright, uh, he pulls through. Mm. uh, Yeah, I almost feel like that's happened once or twice before. Wainwright, six hits allowed, one earned run, five strikeouts, no walks, seven innings pitched. Um, Vintage Adam Wainwright, and I'm I'm really sad that at some point he's going to have to retire.
0: Yeah, sometime in the next two years, and outduels Kyle Kyle Hendricks, who once again had another stellar game against the Cardinals, six in the third, eight hits, two earned, and three strikeouts. So Cardinals made him look a little bit more human uh, in tonight's matchup, but they, they, they got to put a couple more runs on the board here in the bottom of the eighth if I'm going to feel even somewhat remotely comfortable with them uh, winning this game. But like you like said, what can you say, what can you say about Adam Wainwright? He, he's just consummate professional. And and then tomorrow he's going to come out with his day after a start photo of a, a walk around Bush stadium. And it's going to be phenomenal because it's Adam Wainwright. I, I, I hope, I know he's a Georgia boy. I hope he sticks around St. Louis. I think he will. I'd love to just have him be a part of this community for the rest of his life and somehow be a part of the Cardinals pitching staff uh, as far as coaching wise or something, because once he goes away, it's going to be a huge void, and it's going to be
1: real sad. You know, I think I think Wainwright. You know, he's got a future, in, I think I might have a future in broadcasting. Yeah, I know. Yeah he's got the personality for it he's very glib and he'd be an upgrade over Jim Edmonds for damn sure um but yeah I hope he stays in st. Louis as well he's he, he's been a cardinal for his entire career say for you know starting out with the Atlanta Braves um but yeah what a career wayno has had so at some point he's gonna have to go away but the Cardinals need more than wayno they need and they need more than Gallegos they need more than Reyes they need more than your latest retread that you claim off waivers like, you know, Luis Garcia, they need some help and it's time that they get it.
0: It's going to be real interesting because the trade deadline is coming up. That uh, This team really needs, and they said it on Monday, the next two weeks are important. Uh, it's going to tell you whether or not this team is going to be a, a buyer at the deadline or just a team that holds Pat. I don't think they're going to sell, but I think they're either going to stand Pat or they're going to buy in these next two weeks. Are going to be absolutely huge. You got the tonight's game and then tomorrow against the Cubs. You got three against Cincinnati. You can kind of put some distance between yourself there, and you get a little bit of a tough a tough stretch after that with the White Sox as well. So we're going to know real soon what the Cardinals are are going to be doing here. I, I say by Saturday night after that second game against Cincinnati, I think we're going to know where this team is going to be heading when it comes to the trade deadline. And I'm really hoping it's they're going to be looking for some upgrades. I, I know you got Jordan Hicks in the wings. You've got Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty getting ramped up as far as rehab starts coming up soon. So you've got reinforcements coming, but we needed reinforcements when those guys were healthy. And if they can't make a push for somebody to help them out, it, it might be one of those seasons where you go, mm, they're going to miss it by just that much, and they could have done more.
1: They could have done more. And speaking of doing more, I'm going to leave you with one final thought on Seattle and how that situation with, with the situation with the Blues. And that is, I've been kind of going back and forth, and, and Blues fan reactions are going back and forth tonight with our old friends at the Soda Pod from mm-hmm. the Hockey Podcast Network because they decided to have a good old laugh about Tarasenko. I think it's so funny that uh, NHL team is having an issue with their Russian star forward when they're having issues with their own Russian star forward. In Minnesota. Don't throw stones when you live in a glass house, soda pod, first of all. Second of all, um, I'm going to leave you with this thought for the Seattle crack and, and their roster. It looks kind of underwhelming now. What's stopping Seattle from offer sheeting Cool. What is stopping them from off, uh, off receding Capri Solve? And I and I'll admit I am piggybacking off a tweet from our friend Gabriel Foley, who actually made that suggestion on Twitter just now. So you know what? go for there. it, go I, for it. I would I would definitely get a Capri crack Kraken jersey. I would too. I and would I would too. Make sure, and I'll make sure to tag the Soda Pod <laughs> when I do so. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to start beef now. That's what we're doing. We're starting beef here. Uh, yeah, like we said, the Seattle Kraken expansion draft tonight. been done going there from the Blues. Uh, interesting group of players. We're going to see over the next uh, 24 hours what other side deals were made and what el- what else might be coming down the pipeline with that. Uh, trade it- freeze is going to end here very soon as well. So make sure you come back tomorrow night for more Toasted Tavern at nine o'clock. We're going to have a lot more information along the NHL lines. We're going to be recapping the Cards-Cubs game three and four because that game three is still going on. Uh, And and we'll have much more to talk about uh, every weeknight here at 9 o'clock. I want to thank Tom Franklin for joining me. Uh, Scott Tobin might be back tomorrow, and I can't remember if tomorrow's a day game or not. If it's a day game, then Scott Tobin will be joining me tomorrow. Uh, I am Wags. Thank you guys always for joining us. And uh, John Ulick, take us out. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and The Man Called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.